Okay. Hey guys, welcome to the Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast. I am your host, Metal Thrashing Mike, and today I have with me Mr. Harold Big H from the band Diggeth. Uh, now you're coming for me all the way in Europe, right, my friend? Right on. It's the Netherlands to be exact. The Netherlands. Yeah. Wonderful. There you have it. <laughs> all right. Right on. Well, uh, we're here to talk about your new music, your new album, Zero Hour and Doomtown. But uh, first, I'd like you to take a moment here, let everybody know where we can find you on social media, where we can listen to your music and buy your merch. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, um, Digif founded back in 2004. So next year, we're around for 20 years. Can't even believe it myself. Um, if you want to find out more about the band, you know, we're on all social media, you know, on Instagram, on Facebook, all such. If you type in Digif, you find us straight away. And we got our own website, uh, digif.com. You can find a lot more about all the releases that we did. Uh, we've been in the underground for, you know, something like 10, 12 years. And, you know, and we signed a record deal that was, I think, with the second album, Kings of the Underworld. And, you know, things got a little bit more, you know, bigger, so to speak, with um, the third album, Gringos Galacticos, which was also released in the United States. And we toured pretty extensively on that one in Europe. And we plan to come over to, uh, to the United States in 2020. And then that whole pandemic thing, you know, shit hit the van, <laughs> to yeah. speak. So uh, that was all postponed, and we're now looking to, uh, you know, touring the United States, hopefully in 24. Uh, what particular regions of the U.S. are you planning on hitting up? Uh, you know, the Northeast? We're, the... we're still looking into that because we, we did fairly well, you know, within the Milwaukee and Chicago region. You know, we were pretty well promoted over there. Uh, but we're also now, you know, selling records, you know, in, in, in Texas, which is a completely different, uh, different area. So we're still looking into the whole lo logistics of it. You know, it's not that you're going to, you know, travel to the United States and, and do it in a week, you know. So, yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, we're also looking, uh, you know, into a couple of festivals for 24. And hopefully, you know, we can uh, make that whole tour happen around a couple of key festivals and have some shows in between. So that's yep. that's what we're actually uh, looking at right now. So hopefully um, we're looking at uh, June, July, maybe 24. All right. Well, you know, the good, the upside nowadays is you'll have better luck in Texas than the Sex Pistols did. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I, hopefully none of y'all are cutting yourselves up and with, uh, you know, broken bottles on stage or nothing. Uh, I don't think so. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, that, that's past that. Uh. <laughs> well, it said here on your, uh, on your bio that you guys between yourselves have 50 years of heavy metal experience and influence. Yeah, influences at least, because, you know, I started listening to this kind of music when I was very, very young. I was, you know, maybe five or six years old. I had an older brother and an older nephew, you know, that were way into bands like Uriah Heep. Yeah. You know, and, and I was young back then, you know. I, I I can still recall that first album from Uriah Heep, you know, the guy with, with the, the cowwebs and everything. And I was young, you know, sitting on a bed and listening to records of Jimi Hendrix and Uriah Heep, you know. And, of course, at that age, I didn't have a clue what I was listening to. But all that, you know, went into my head, you know. And, and when I grew older, you know, I really digged into a lot of 60s and 70s hard rock, you know, call it heavy metal, whatever you want. 
And then the early 80s, I was still pretty young, you know, then bands like Iron Maiden and, and Metallica and Slayer and all that stuff came up, you know, and that was, you know, the second, boof, you know, yeah. wave and hit. And that influenced me a lot. You know, I started playing guitar when I was 13 and that was 1985 or something like that. And, you know, and all that, you know, all those influences and experiences, you know, they, they piled up uh, in a way and they come out through this kind of music, I guess. Yeah. So um, let's see. I was going through your influences and stuff. Who would be the biggest influence on this band in particular as a whole between the three of you? You wow. know, is there that shared common group? Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, I would I would probably say I would probably say Black Sabbath. That's that's something like that glues it all together, I guess, you know. Because that's the tie that binds all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you have it. Because the, the funny thing is, you know, there, there's also, you know, like like some new wave of British heavy metal in our sound somewhere, you know. And and but you know, like like but bands like Black Sabbath, you know, had they had this kind of roundness in their sound, you know, that yeah. a lot of uh newer heavy metal bands actually are lacking, you know, that the music is quite quite square sounding to me. But if you listen to the older Black Sabbath records, it's, it's very round, you know, like, like almost a groovy kind of music, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's, that's something that's really strong in our music, I guess, you know, but, but there's so many things, you know, our drummer is a lot into, you know, like, like a lot of prog stuff, you know, he's into rush, but also newer bands. And I like that also a lot. So um, it's difficult to say, but I, I would, I would I would guess Black Sabbath. I'll go for that. Okay. Yeah. So how did the band come together? Hmm. Um I started it around 2003. We had a different lineup back then. And I came from from a, a really uh playing in a band, you know, a band called Wicked Mystic and the title suggests that was kind of more like a speed metal annihilator kind of driven thing. And I love to do that for years and years, you know, doing the double harmonies and the fast guitar riffs and stuff like that. And then somewhere in 2003, I was really done with that, you know, and I was going like, okay, I want to do something that is more, has more groove to it, you know, has that, that roundness that we mentioned before that, that I hear in, in, in Black Sabbath a lot. And I came together with a drummer back then called Benjamin. He was on the first couple of records and he had that, he had that groove, you know, he had that John Bonham kind yeah. of playing, you know, and that opened a lot of, opened a lot for me, you know, that my playing changed, you know, instead of using a lot of downstrokes, you know, that you do in, in faster kind of heavy metal or fresh metal. I started, you know, to play more in a, in a, in a rounder way, using drop tunings, um, different, a different way of sound, uh, songwriting, I guess. And that all started so around 2003, four, maybe five. And then, you know, we had the first lineup together and, you know, everything started to roll. And yeah, that that's how it all, you know, came to pass. Like my background was more, you know, playing speed metal, fresh metal. I still like that, you know. I remember when all those bands came, you know, like bands like, you know, the first couple of records, you know, like, like Metallica or Megadev or, or more obscure bands like Asian Steel or Blessed Death, you know, that, that, was stuff that was really great in um, mid '80s, late '80s. So, you uh, are fr you're in the Netherlands now. Uh, what part of Europe do you come from originally? I, I come from the Netherlands, actually. The Netherlands, I, I, okay. 
Yeah, I live in the east part of uh, of the Netherlands, which is very close to the German border, you know, and I I grow I grew up actually with learning both languages, you know, because uh, we're so close to the border um and and the Netherlands are, I know I don't know if you've ever been to the Netherlands, but the Netherlands are are really small and you know, um to be a, a small country like that, you know, we depend a lot on 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 the different countries, you know, Germany is a lot bigger, so my mother took me shopping to Germany and we watched German television. So I grew up basically two languages, you know, as well in Dutch as in, as in German. So, but my roots are, uh, yeah, the East part of, 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 of the Netherlands, which is more a farmer area, you know, maybe you can compare it, you know, a little bit to the Midwest or the South region of, of the United States. It's a lot of farms. Um, I'm from the South. So that's, <laughs> well, they, they have it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everybody, you know, when it goes about the Netherlands, you know, they talk about Amsterdam and, and the bigger cities. But actually, I'm, I'm more from the, from the countryside. Yeah. Uh, same thing here. I live in Dalton, Georgia, and it's more closer to the countryside than it uh-huh. is like Atlanta. Yeah. It's peaceful. Yeah. It's nice. Good place to write music. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a different vibe. You know, the people from the east part of the Netherlands are a little bit more laid back. You know, they're... Uh, they're a little, maybe a little bit more thoughtful about stuff. They're not so outspoken. That's right. made a big difference. <laughs> uh, I can't really say the same thing in Georgia. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> extremely outspoken. Yeah, well, nowadays everybody is, isn't it? With the whole social media thing going on, like every everybody seems to have an opinion on everything, you know? <laughs> so as a three-piece band before we get into this new album, do you think it makes it easier for you guys to groove like that? Because I think of the, that groove style, I think of three-piece bands, even like with a what some people would have called power groove, like Pantera had more of a groove to it. Yeah. It was a three-piece with a singer. Exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, that's a good observation. I mean, if you look at those kind of bands, you know, for instance, take ZZ Top, you know? Yeah. I mean, they have the same uh, groove going on as maybe Pantera has, you know? If you listen to the, what they do with, with certain grooves and certain rhythms, you know, it's, it's familiar. They even say that themselves, you know? If you look on all the interviews of Pantera, they mention ZZ Top a lot. Oh, yeah. When it comes, comes to the groove and the whole shuffle Shuffle well, they're, they're Texas you know? boys too, so exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you have it. So Three yeah, points. I think I think three piece band is is really interesting, you know, because you got from everything you got one, you know, you got one bass player, one guitar, and drums. And what's really cool about the whole three piece band, I think you can improvise a lot more. Yeah, you can deviate from song structures. You know, can life it can be. With certain parts, it can be a real adventure. You know, you can go like, okay, let's see where we where we're gonna end, and it does a lot with your musicianship, uh, and it's also very interesting to the audience, I guess. On on the other hand, you know, having you know a four piece or five piece band, having the dual guitars, having the twin guitars, you know, that's that's interesting too. You know, I'm way into old Iron Maiden and stuff like that, and Finn Lizzy with their great you know twin guitar work. So, um. Everything has its, you know, ups and downs. Beauty, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's got its beauty. Absolutely. You know, I was going to say, you're talking about the deviating. You got stuff like Cream and, you know, Sabbath, of course. And they, exactly. half, the, half the Sabbath songs are recording in a damn basement, just them jamming. Yeah, exactly. But I must, I must say, um, you know, being a three piece band also gives you a lot of attention. You know, people find it really interesting, you know, especially when we play live, you know, they go like, wow. 
you know, two guys and a girl, you know, making <laughs> this much of noise, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, a lot of the stoner doom bands I've interviewed are mostly three piece bands too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it works. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. To counter your point though, being a Georgia boy, I can mention the Almond brothers who would jam for hours and, you know, five, six guys, same with Skinner. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Same in it. Yeah, exactly. And and boy, man, that first Alman Brothers album, that is so amazing. That is really great. I played yeah. at Rust the other day, and and you're right. And if you listen to the live recordings, you know, they do all kinds of stuff, you know. So yeah, I mean, there's so much good music going on, you know. If yeah. you look at that whole history, you know, like like it's it's unbelievable. It and for me, it's not just metal or hard rock you know there's so much other stuff you know that's that's really great to listen to uh, you were talking about uriah heap i was listening to magician's birthday just the other day yeah great uh, band. I, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I catch myself on trends of listening to yes for random reasons you know right not right. just metal and it's all exactly. influenced by the same stuff exactly yeah true actually a lot of what you said is going to lead into a question later i can't wait to ask but we're going to go yeah. and get to the album we're right. going to get to Zero Hour in Doomtown. Um, so, I mean, this thing opens with a banger with Freak Flag. What was the, uh, was there a certain inspiration to, you know, the subject matter of Freak Flag? Because it's obviously about flying your Freak Flag, and that's a very kind of 60s motto. And that's when I think of it, I think of the kind of more 60s counterculture. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, um I think it's 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 even in one of the lyrics of Crosby, uh, Still, Nash and Young, you know, yeah, where they say like "Let your freak flag fly," you know, and that was such a great phrase, you know, and it it definitely uh, sums up, you know, what the whole band is about, you know. I mean, we're not like I said, you know, we we listen to all kinds of music, you know, and it's the same thing. Uh, what I notice uh, these days, you know, when I see a lot of younger people. Um, they all look pretty the same to me, you know. When I was, you know, like 13 or 14 years old, you know, you had people that were into new wave, people that were into punk, people that were into metal, and they all looked different. But they all got along pretty well, you know. When there were parties, they, you know, you could tell who was in which <laughs> which kind of music. But we all got along pretty well. And when I look at a lot of young kids nowadays, you know, they look pretty similar, you know. And I got the idea that everybody's a little bit afraid, you know, to show who you really are and what you are all about. And, and the message, as far as there's a message in that song, is about, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, stay true to yourself and, yep. and, and do what you want to do, of course, with, with respect for other people. And it's, it's not that difficult, actually. Well, I can point out to that, too, growing up, uh, being probably a little bit younger, like I'm 35, growing up and watching things change up to this generation as far as you'd see the magazines and the on the newsstands and stuff and that started having an influence on people and more conformist behavior. absolutely absolutely and, and but now that, that, it's just everywhere because you've got it all over the internet and the yeah. ironic thing is is we have things like spotify where you can explore any artist, and most people just i'm gonna go listen to the new taylor swift yeah that's it <laughs> yeah and 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 all that is cool, you know. If you want to do that, that that's that's great, and do it, you know, and have a look around. And I I don't exactly know when all that changed. I mean, I remember, you know, in in the eighties, you know, that people were wearing T-shirts, you know, maybe from 
from venom and having a patch of deal on the back and all was fine you know it wasn't at all cut up in all those boxes you know like what we have now you know the speed metal and the death metal and the sludge and and whatever you know back then it was just there were two uh, two options it was either it was hard rock or it was heavy metal yeah. <laughs> you know we didn't care too much about all that you know later all the boxes came and which is okay too you know to point out you know what kind of music it is but ah it, it got a bit silly i guess I remember at a point it seemed to be, uh, you know, if I went to go pick up a CD at the CD shop, it would have influenced by Slayer and Megadeth for fans of uh, Black Sabbath, you know, yeah. things like that. And now it just seems to be we do just have that. And we can say, oh, well, everybody knows what thrash is. That's Slayer. You know, everybody yeah. knows what black metal is. That's mayhem, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's more of that conformist attitude. I, I think one of the things that attributed to that was also just the rise of accessibility to items and things like shirts and things like that. Just any kind of, because in a generation where you didn't have Amazon or online shopping, you were limited to what you could find at a store, say 20 miles down the road or your local shop. Yeah. And I think, I think that's had an effect on people too, because anybody can just go and buy whatever shirt they want, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. choose anything. Yeah. I can be, I can proudly say this merciful fate shirt came from the show. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, that, that, that is one of my influences actually. Um, oh. in the, early, the early merciful fate albums, you know, that, you know, that was really something that so, was really something. No, no, absolutely. I've got the yeah. first two on vinyl over here and I just, yeah. God, yeah, since I was like sixteen, they're such good albums. Yeah, you got uh, you also got uh, the EP, the first one. I don't have the EP. I've meant to buy it a couple of times, but I'm just, you know, have the money for this or that. I think I think <laughs> yeah. I spent the money on a first pressing of Testament's New Order. To be fair, so oh, right, right on, right on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was a that was a great band. You know, it, it, unfortunately, you know, they 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 well they split up and and we had King Diamond after that. You know, but I had the idea that you know they still had a lot to say. You know, when they um, when they split up. Yeah. Luckily, uh, luckily they're they're touring again, you know, and uh, but those first couple of albums they were really great. Yeah. Yep. Well, King still had a lot to say. Unfortunately, Fate, Merciful Fate, changed over to Fate. Yeah. Yeah. And that was not as good. <laughs> that, that was a bit weird. <laughs> I think that's why King left. They were like, uh, he's like, yeah. oh, I'm not doing fucking pop rock. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're back together now, uh, with or without dinner. Yeah. Unfortunately, True. yeah, they put out some great music and solo projects and stuff. So we've got yeah, that. I, saw a, I saw a couple of things on YouTube live and it sounded really great. You know, oh, like, it's like, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. My wife on the way to this show, uh, in order to calm her nerves, because she she thought I'm going to go see Merciful Fate. This is going to be you know satanic orgy or some shit. <laughs> you know the way I've always built them up. Yeah. So we had to stop. I don't know if you've ever heard of Chick Fil A, but here in the U.S., that is God's chosen chicken sandwich. You know. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we'll stop at Chick Fil A. That'll balance the you know the satanic and the Jesus out. Oh, right on, right on. And yeah. she said this was the best show, one of the best shows she'd ever seen. She was like, he wow. seems like an angel. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fallen angel, but an angel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so getting back to your album, man. Um, what's your favorite track on the album that you guys recorded? Wow. Um, that's a good question. 
I guess, well, <laughs> I have to narrow it down. It, 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 it would be probably would be um, uh, Stetson Head. Yeah, which is okay. which is that, and it has all to do with the this how the song was written. You know, we had we had the the first part, you know, the verse and everything that was written pretty quick, and then the song was sitting around for a couple of months, you know, doing nothing, and I had no idea where to take it. And then I had the middle part. I wrote that at one evening at home, and for some reason, you know, I was listening to what we recorded earlier in a mid part and all of a sudden it struck me when like oh wow <laughs> you can put this together you know <laughs> when i did i was going like okay <laughs> this is really something it's got that that spaghetti western kind of thing to it and i i really like that kind of things you know where you have a little bit of almost a bit like a movie score going on you know with a, yeah. with a story attached to it and yeah i i, I really like that and there's also one song uh, which is not on the regular American version, but uh, you can download it if you, if you buy the, the the vinyl. It got ten songs on it, and the CD's got something like fourteen songs on it. And there's one song that's called Five Stages of Grief," which is on the CD version, but also on the download uh, version. That's a that's a ten minute song. I I really like that one. Uh, we wrote that in in one session. Believe it or not, it was a ten minute song, and and. We didn't change too much about it. And, and uh, that was one of those moments, you know, where things come together and you play it. And I think we used something like 90% of how we demoed it because everything sounded fine. You know, we fine-tuned a couple of things that were not so so okay, but it has that feel, you know, like like a couple of guys playing together, you know. That, that's what I really liked about that one. Well, I mean, you're you're definitely living up to that as far as your aspirations there with going into a three-piece band. Yeah. And like you exactly. said earlier, I mean, you're living up to those. So, you know, congrats on that. You know, good job. Thanks, man. You're you're that's that's what we're all here to do is try to accomplish something, you know. It, yeah. there's a vision. Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's going back to what I was talking about earlier about the ease of access, finding music, uh, just the sheer amount of information. That is out there. How do you, as a, a musician and as your band, how do you go about, or rather, how would you sell your music to my listeners as far as you should go listen to our music <laughs> right now with the 9,000 other bands on Spotify? <laughs> Probably more like 90,000. You know, it's yeah. a, a tough question I like to ask. I like to surprise people with it too. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a tough question, you know. Like like um, I always, you know, hope you know that when people, you know, listen to this interview, you know, they maybe can relate to it. You know, when I'm talking about you know my childhood, you know how I got influenced by music, you know, and how the three of us put that all together. You know, I always hope that you know that sets a spark. You know, where people yeah. look like, oh, okay, you know, this sounds interesting. You know, we're not we're not that band. You know that. Um, you know, just just started yesterday. You know, we we're around for quite a while. You know, and having all those influences, I think we—it's uh, not that we reinvent the wheel, definitely not, but we do something with it because of all those influences. And I think that makes it interesting. You know, so if you're into, you know, let's say '70s hard rock, you know, Finn Lizzy, but you also like the heavier stuff, like for instance, what Down uh, does. You know. We mix that all together, yeah. you know, and if you wonder, 
Hmm, how does that sound? You know, look it up, listen to it on Spotify, you know, find us on YouTube and you hopefully see what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was a well-produced album too, by the way. Thanks. Thanks. We, we uh, do everything ourselves. We built a studio a couple of years ago and the last couple of albums, we did them all ourselves, you know, because you have to, uh, it's, it's so much easier, you know, nowadays to have your own studio. Uh, I have a lot of experience, you know, going back from the days that it was, was even tape recordings, you know, but, you know, having that, you know, your own studio, doing everything live, you know, that gives a certain vibe to it that it's difficult to get from different studios because you're always, you know, limited in time, you know, and we yeah. can go in when we want, we plan it, you know, record it as much as live as we can do a couple of overdubs. And I guess that makes our music interesting too, because it's it's pretty lively what we do. Oh yeah, absolutely, because you are doing it in that live setting. I mean, not a lot yeah. of people do that anymore. At that, exactly. Like you know, that. nowadays a lot of is uh, music is. is I, I just read an uh, an article of, of Marty Friedman on Facebook. You know, where he he said something a lot about uh, how perfectly produced music nowadays is. You know, and. Um, that's true, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but it's all, you know, put to a grid, and it's all tuned perfectly, and it sounds it sounds great, but uh, when you listen to older recordings, you know, music from the 60s and the 70s, to my ears, it's much more alive, you know, it's much yeah. more real, and maybe it's not so perfectly in pitch, or maybe a vocalist is not, you know, every, everything is not perfect, but that is what makes music great, you know? If you listen to old recordings, like like for instance the Eagles or Supertramp, you know where they you know sing the, the, the harmony vocals, you know, and it's bang, you know, and they do it like that. There is something to that, you know. Yeah. And I Love think it. a lot of that is missing nowadays with, with nowadays music because it's it's done so perfect and uh, it gets a little bit, I don't know, it gets a little bit annoying after a while i guess you know i want to hear i want to hear real musicians you know? well i was going to mention uh john mail and the blues breakers and clapton's guitar amp bleeding through all the other rooms because it was so goddamn loud you there know? you have it yeah but yeah hey, but I, yeah i've got to cut this interview off unfortunately i do have a schedule to keep okay i, <laughs> I appreciate your time big h thanks uh, man thanks for coming by guys if you want to check out uh diggeth be sure and go down to the, descri the description. I'll have links to their sites and music and all that stuff, guys. Thanks cool. again, Big H. Thanks, man. Peace.